Hello, we're blah, 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 blah. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> exactly. You want to do an intro like that? Yeah. I mean, that's just how I felt like it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. My name is Zach. This is the Latter-day Saint Nutritionist Podcast. And we've been recording, so oh. that is part of the beginning. <laughs> yes. Um, so I have with me actually today my wonderful wife, Alyssa. Hi. So that's my wife. That's the one that you're going to be able to associate with that voice once again. Hello, it's me, the wife. <laughs> yes, the <laughs> wife or Alyssa. And we also have a uh, family friend, Allie, with us. Allie, would you like to say hello? Hey. That was weak sauce. Hello. <laughs> okay, that's better. All right. So just to kind of fill you guys in, I recorded a full podcast on diabetes, on diabetes, the sugar, the sweet blood, the sweet urine, you know, all that good stuff. And it didn't come out very good. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Why not have some other people on with me to talk about diabetes? <laughs> and I'll just say this. If your name is not Wilford Brumley, do not call it diabetes. <laughs> it is diabetes. Um, and so we will talk about that today. Um, and we'll have some different conversations, some questions. And we'll get a little bit more into it in just a second. But uh, for now, here's your intro. This is Zach Cordell, registered dietitian and host for the Latter-day Saint Nutritionist, where food, faith, and science meet. This podcast is not intended to be individualized medical advice. As always, please consult with a medical professional in your area to make sure that your medical history is taken into account to make sure that you get the best care possible. Again, I am with Alyssa, my wonderful wife, and Allie, our, our family friend. Um, <laughs> Ow! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but we'll start off talking about diabetes and the three main types of diabetes. The first one is going to be gestational diabetes. With gestational, it's typically what's going to happen if somebody's pregnant, meaning that if you are not pregnant or you are not a female, you cannot get gestational diabetes. So it will also go away once the baby is born, but it's going to be similar to how uh, type 2 diabetes is going to be managed with whether it's medication or potentially insulin, but it's going to happen with pregnancy and it's going to go away after pregnancy. It, I will just say this, um, if you have gestational diabetes, it does mean that you do have an increased risk for developing type 2 diabetes later in life. So I had this friend who had gestational diabetes, and uh, she went into the hospital, had the baby, and then afterwards she said, give me the cookies, the cakes, the pastas, the chips, the pizza, and everything that you've got in here that has carbs that I have not been able to eat since I've been pregnant. And as a dude, I'm like, you just created a human, I can't tell you what to do. <laughs> um, but as a dietitian, I'm like, mm, please don't do that because you still have an increased risk and taking in those high carb loads could still be harmful. So again, if you've had gestational diabetes, it doesn't mean that you will get type two, but it means that you do have an increased risk for developing type two. So just kind of keep that in mind. 
just another quick story is I had another friend who developed gestational and called me because she was kind of worried about how everything was going to work out. So we had this quick counseling session on what you can do to manage gestational diabetes. And uh, she was like, do I need to go buy almond flour? Should I be drinking keto water? Do I need to make sure that the alkaline uh, water is going to be what I'm consuming? And so on and so forth. And so we had this huge conversation. And at the end of our session, she said, you just saved me like $150. Because she was just going to go buy all this food that she didn't know how to cook. So just know that dietitians are very handy in situations where different diseases might have stepped in. So that's gestational. So I know that you get sugar tested and things like that, and that's how you find out that you have gestational diabetes when you're pregnant. Did you get sugar tested? I did. And, and it was not as gross as everyone made it seem you, like it was going to be. <laughs> you didn't think it was gross? No. Well, everyone was just like, don't get this one. You will literally die. If you drink this one, you'll cry in the middle of the floor trying to drink this little Kool-Aid if you get these flavors. And I just drank whatever one they gave me, and it was like, this is gross-ish. And I drank it and it was fine. But what are the things that your body will show you, that your body will tell you, that will give you red flags if you are pregnant, that maybe I will be leading to gestational diabetes? And that's a, like a pretty solid question. Typically, during pregnancy, it might be a little bit harder to notice some of the signs. Right, because be everything sucks. Right, because it's just like a hard time altogether. <laughs> not that I've ever experienced it, but I've heard from some solid sources uh, that Your it's not... Your body does weird things when you're pregnant. Yeah, yeah it's not that enjoyable. Right. Um, but the big ones are is that you're thirsty all the time and that you pee all the time. Oh, and again, during pregnancy, you're kind of peeing all the time. Yeah, anyways. all those things happen to me. But the nice thing is, is that whenever they're doing that test, it's called the oral glucose tolerance test. And uh, whenever they do that, the doctor is monitoring you frequently enough that he can catch it. And that's why it's become one of those standard things because if it doesn't get caught and the baby is just used to being in the candy factory where mom's got a whole bunch of extra sugar floating around, then you're typically going to have a bigger baby. Oh. Yeah. And so not meaning that you're going to have like Is that the only thing that happens is that your baby gets jumbo? Um, not necessarily the only thing that happens. It can increase the risk for the baby developing diabetes later in life. Um, but again, like you can do a lot to manage it so that the baby isn't going to be as affected by it. I will just add the caveat in there that if you have had gestational or type 2 or type 1 and you were pregnant and you had the baby, you might have had the baby that was hypoglycemic whenever it was born, meaning that it had low blood glucose. And it's kind of a scary thing whenever the baby's just laying there they either have a feeding tube in them to kind of give them some extra sugar until their body's able to regulate it on its own, but the baby is able to regulate it pretty quickly thereafter. Um, but having a bigger baby, the baby is more likely to like develop type two later in life um, if if the environment and the genetic factors are passed on to it, which we'll talk about in, in just a little bit, and then. The, um, the other one of just having the hypoglycemia or the low blood sugar whenever it's born for the first couple of days mm -hmm. until it's able to stabilize it on its own. Because, I mean, imagine like going and being able to eat all the stuff that you want to and now you leave mom and you're not able to eat anything. Yeah. And what you do get is not as sweet as what you were getting. So the baby's body is overcompensating because right. the baby's body produces insulin and it's still doing that 
for the mom shugs. But then when it comes out, it doesn't have the mom shugs. And so the insulin drops the blood sugar, right? Right. Because it's used to sending out a lot more because it needed a lot more. Gotcha. Did you have to get the oral glucose tolerance test, Alyssa? No, I did not. (laughs) Would you like to share why you didn't? I have type 1 diabetes. Um, So I was going to test positive (laughs) obvious <laughs> and uh so i didn't have to take it uh, that's the perfect little breaking point we're gonna take a quick break we will have an intermission with our music and then we'll come back and talk about what type 1 diabetes is from the viewpoint of someone that has type 1 and a dietitian and their family friend <laughs> and then we will talk about what type 2 diabetes is what you can do to manage either of those things, and so on and so forth. So, quick music break starting now. I love that you guys are just like dancing. This is so funny. Music break, silent music, dance off. I am very excited to announce that I have a new book out. It is called 40 Days. It's available on Amazon. There will be a link in the show notes. But the book 40 Days is indicative of 40 days and 40 nights and how in the Bible we reference 40 uh, pretty frequently. But this book is similar to Michael Pollan's Food Rules in that the chapters are very short. And the whole point of this is to be a a devotional that gets you thinking about how you approach food so that you can take steps to improve your health and improve your self-image and to just do it through the lens of food and faith. One of my favorite chapters is uh, titled, Was Christ Skinny? And I'm not going to ruin it for you, but uh, you might be able to even find it if you go check it out on Amazon because you can preview the book. You can open the book on Amazon and see what the chapters are going to look like. So go ahead and check it out. Link is in the show notes. And be sure to follow me on social media, Zach Cordell RDN, whether that's on Facebook or Instagram, because I will let you know of upcoming events that we're going to try and host while we're out in Idaho for Education Week or in Provo for Education Week for both BYU-Idaho and BYU in Utah. But back to the show. So welcome back. Uh, again, I have with me my wonderful wife, Alyssa, and our family friend, Allie. And uh, we're talking about diabetes and diabetes. And uh, Alyssa was telling us about type 1 diabetes and how she didn't have to get tested for the oral glucose tolerance test because she already had type 1. So I will just give a brief overview of what type 1 diabetes is and how it works, and then Alyssa can kind of give you a little bit of an insight from her perspective. And I know that we had Blade Hargis on in an earlier episode. He had type 1 diabetes as well. He's going to med school, um, and it's his his point of view is a little bit different. Um, so if you haven't checked that out, be sure to, to go back and listen to his interviews. It's really good. Um, but anyways, 
moving into type 1 diabetes. With type 1, the funny thing that, that sticks out to me is that whenever you meet somebody with type 1, the initial response is usually, well, you don't look like my grandma. Because a lot of people <laughs> just I think not. diabetes is an old person disease. But type 1 diabetes, someone could be born with this. Or more often, they're going to develop it between the ages of like 8 and 21. Um, around the time where the immune system is really starting to develop. And what's occurring with type 1 diabetes is the body starts to attack your pancreas. Or the cells that are going to make the insulin. And if you don't make insulin, then you can't bring your blood glucose down. The easy way to think about it is that if you have carbohydrates in your diet, then your body is going to break those things down into sugar, regardless if it's going to be coming from fruit or from soda or from vegetables or potatoes or any other like starchy food. They're all going to be turned into sugar. The complex carbohydrates, the ones that are like whole grains, nuts and seeds, things like that, are going to take longer to break down so your blood sugar is not going to go as high. And that's why they're recommended to consume those more frequently than eating a lot of fruit or fruit juice or sodas or a lot of ice cream, things like that. But if you don't have insulin, then you can't put the sugar back into your cells. So it's just going to be hanging out in your blood and then you eat more and then your blood sugar continues to go up and then you eat again and your blood sugar again continues to go up. So you don't have the ability to bring it back down. Whenever somebody has type 1 diabetes, their body has attacked the insulin producing cells and as a result they don't make insulin anymore. And as a result, their blood sugar just keeps going up and it keeps going up. So if there's nothing to bring the blood glucose back down, if you can't put the sugar from the blood into the cells, then you're gonna end up in the hospital. Or you're gonna pee your bed whenever you're like 14 years old and your parents are like, whoa, 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 we were past that stage. Why are we doing this again? Because one way that your body will get rid of extra sugar is by making you thirsty to dilute the sugar that's in your blood and then producing more urine to excrete the extra sugar. <laughs> so the whole idea, Great word. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, that's what's going on, right? Yep. So the whole idea that you are thirsty is because it's like whenever you make Kool-Aid and you have too much sugar with not enough water, you have to add more water. You got to even out the solute. Otherwise, things are going to move into or out of the cells the way that they're supposed to. Um, so Alyssa, do you mind telling us your story of diabetes? Sure. So I was 11 when I was diagnosed, and um, I was incredibly thirsty. So I was drinking water all the time, and um, it was probably for about a week that it was really intense. I would wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and that was really unusual for me. So my mom took me to the doctor, the pediatrician, just thinking that I had a bladder infection. And um, they said that those were classic signs of having type 1. So they tested my blood sugar, and it was 550. So 550. Correct. Can you explain what that means to people that don't know numbers with diabetes? Yes. So if you do not have diabetes, your blood sugar will be <laughs> between 90 and 120. 
Um, well, so if you don't if you don't have any diabetes, right? Then it's seventy to one hundred. Seventy, okay, yeah. Okay, if you if you have diabetes, they'll want you to keep it as close to one hundred as possible. So, like right now, they want you to keep it around those numbers. But if For you sure. are not diagnosed, if you don't have any diabetes, it's between seventy to one hundred. And yours was yeah. five fifty. Correct. And Let me just say that isn't the highest I've heard. No. So what does that number mean exactly? It means... Oh. That's the amount of he sugar. can answer. <laughs> you don't know that. Well, <laughs> gram, milligram per deciliter. Is that right? Oh, so no. Yeah, no, that's right. It's, it's milligram per deciliter. It's a tiny bit of your blood. Correct. Think, think okay. it going back to the Kool-Aid example. You added like the sugar packet to it, and then you like put a cup of water instead of like the gallon of water gotcha. that you need. So it's like it's really condensed in how much sugar you're going to have in that smaller amount of area. Now, that being the case, there's all that sugar just floating through her blood. It's not moved to the cells. It's just in the bloodstream, which can cause problems. Like if it's rubbing against the blood vessels, it can start to cause inflammation and irritation on there. And if that happens continually over the long term, then it can cause like cardiovascular issues. But just whenever you're getting diagnosed, that's not necessarily that big of a problem. But you need to make sure that you're taking care of it because if you don't, all your cells know is that they don't get sugar. So the cells are literally starving and all your body knows is that the cells are starving so your hungry. body breaks down more sugar and then it breaks down ketones and then it, then it starts to cause other issues. But with type 1, it is an emergency that... If those symptoms, if you're feeling those symptoms, it's not like, oh, yeah, it's not a big deal. Like, you're going to be okay. It's with type 1, you will die if you do not get insulin. Right. And when I was saying it's not that big of an issue, I was referring to the cardiovascular disease. Oh, so right. Because those are long-term long effects. Term. Right, right, right. right. If okay. you have type 1 diabetes, you're going to be in the hospital. For sure. Like, you're going to be in a place where they're able to monitor how much insulin you're getting because... They're going to come in with a whole diabetes team and teach you how to give yourself shots mm -hmm. and teach you how to prick your finger so that you can test your own blood sugar and figure out what it's like. Allie, it looks like you have a question. I do. <laughs> so you said that type 1 generally manifests between this age and this age. So Alyssa got hers when she was 11. Right. So before that, was her body just functioning properly? Yes. And then it just like got turned on. Yes. Yeah. So there, think about it this way. In your body, there's a whole bunch of light switches. Right. And all these light, light switches mean different things. So as far as we know right now, there are environmental triggers that flip a switch that cause her immune system or anyone with type 1 diabetes, the immune system to attack itself. To think that the insulin producing cells are like doing something wrong. Right. And as a result, it goes and it destroys the factory so that you don't make insulin anymore. The factory is the pancreas. Yes, the factory and the pancreas. In the pancreas, yeah. Your pancreas does other things too. Yeah, so the pancreas is going to do a whole bunch of things, but there are specific cells, the beta cells in the pancreas that are going to... In the pancreas. In the pancreas. Okay. Right. So your pancreas is still good. It's still there. It still functions in other ways, but it doesn't make the insulin. Okay. And that's why you're going to end up in the hospital is because there's no way for you to put this, the sugar away. There's no way for you to get rid of it other than peeing it out. And your body can't keep up with that. 
Right. The other one that, that can happen, um, and this is more so with type 2 diabetes, is that you might be more likely to get wounds not healing appropriately. That's another big one is that people just think, and again, this is more common in type 2 diabetics, they think that they used to heal really quickly. But then for something happened where they like got a bruise or they got a, a cut or something, and they look at it and they're like, this has been here for like three months, and I don't know what's going on here. And so the wounds don't heal appropriately because the blood doesn't flow as well. And then the last one is that they might go to the eye doctor, and they can have burst blood vessels behind their eyes because of the extra sugar that's back there. And so the eye doctor is like, you might want to go to your primary care physician and get tested for diabetes. Did you ever have any of those issues? Mm-mm. No. It was, my symptoms were pretty much just drinking, being tired, because being high. Glucose-wise. Glucose. High glucose-wise. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Saying that in public, like, I'm high. It's, you know, the looks. But it's just <laughs> our, it's our lingo, you know. You just have Diabetes to. Diabetes lingo. Right. Um. No, those were my only symptoms because when you're high, again, like Zach said, your cells are starving. So you're trying to eat, but it's only making, well, you are eating, but it's only making your problem worse because then it's just sending more sugar to your blood and not to your cells. So I was hungry and tired, um, but then also thirsty. So um, those are my only symptoms. And again, with type 1, usually, I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way that you find out is pretty much by those symptoms right. because you you can't have type 1 long enough to get circulatory issues without taking insulin because it takes a while to have circulatory issues with diabetes, but you're not going to have type 1 for very long. Without knowing, without knowing it. <laughs> um, so if that makes any sense, but... So as, like, an 11-year-old, you just had to, like, learn to do all of these things? Allie, that's an excellent question. I'm going to interrupt you, and we're going to end this episode. Oh. Because usually we have these episodes be 20 minutes long. So what's going to happen is we're going to keep this conversation going, and this is our next episode. Okay. So thank you again for listening to the Latter-day Saint Nutritionist. Uh, This has been Zach Cordell. And I've had Alyssa, my wonderful wife, and our friend Allie here to, uh, to talk about how, how diabetes looks in real life. We're planning on being out in Idaho and Utah for BYU-Idaho's Education Week and BYU's Education Week along with the Sunstone Conference. So be sure to follow me on social media at Zach Cordell RDN in order to know when we're going to try and host a meetup so that I can uh, meet some of you guys face-to-face and we can hang out. And if you're lucky, maybe we'll, we'll include food. Mm-hmm. And twins. Good. Twins are cute. Oh, yeah, and twins. So <laughs> I'll bring my family and you bring yours. Deal? Done. All right, we'll talk soon.